fueled by nothing more than the wind. And I had resolved that if ever I were domiciled in any reasonable proximity to the sea, I would learn to sail upon it. I thought even that since so much of the world was covered with water, and since it lapped against so many interesting places, that I should like to sail right the way round, stopping everywhere. Eventually I finished a ten-year hitch in New York advertising, did another three in London, and then, propelled by a lifelong desire to write a novel, hide myself to the west of Ireland, to County Galway, to Loch Coutra Castle near Gort, where I resided not in the castle, but in the adjacent stable-yard, in a flat. I spent two days a week in Dublin writing television commercials and ads for an advertising agency, and the rest of the time in County Galway writing my novel, or at least thinking about it. Loch Coutra was an ideal place, 400 acres of grounds, 1,200 acres of lake, and enough peace and quiet to make it very difficult to find an excuse not to write. To live this sort of existence, you have to be either very lucky or very single. Looking back, I still find it difficult to believe I was able to get away with this for two years. Soon after my arrival in Ireland in early 1973, I perceived that it was surrounded by water and the sailing notion, so long displaced by an absorbing career and an athletic social life in New York and London, began to winnow its way into my frontal lobe. I bought a book which suggested that the way to go about learning to sail was to start with a small dinghy, then work up to larger things as desire and funds dictated. For several winter weeks I scoured the West, looking for a small boat to buy, or someone who knew where to buy one, or someone who knew someone who knew. Just when I was beginning to think that I was the only person in the counties Galway, Clare, and Mayo who realized that Ireland was an island, a friend in Galway who believed that water should be fished in and not sailed upon admitted that he had heard of the existence of a sailing club in or near Galway City. He was pretty cagey about it all, but still, I had managed to penetrate the alleged club's apparent security arrangements to the point where I now had an actual name and an actual telephone number to call. Journeying to the public telephone in Mrs. Pickett's grocery store in Gort, I gave the operator the number, inserted the required coinage into the instrument, and waited the customary seven minutes to be connected. To my surprise, there really was a Ferdia O'Reardon at the Bank of Ireland in Salt Hill, and he very generously invited me to join him for a sail the following Sunday, behaving as if the Galway Bay Sailing Club were common knowledge and had nothing whatever to hide. During the week which followed, I reread my book on sailing and bought another, wishing to be as au fait as possible without actually having set foot in any sort of boat for seven years. The Sunday arrived, and I again found myself at Rinville. Nothing had changed except that the wind was blowing slightly less hard, and the temperature had crept up a degree or two. The place was still deserted, and I sat in my battered mini chatting idly with Fred, a four-pound, five-week-old example of the Golden Labrador breed who graciously permitted me to share my flat with him. At last, a car materialized next to mine, towing a boat covered with canvas. From this car emerged Ferdia O'Reardon, his very pretty wife, and two irresistible little girls with whom Fred evidenced an immediate empathy. Leaving the two children and the puppy rolling in the grass, we removed the canvas from the boat, revealing a gleaming example of the GP-14 class, erected the mast, bent on the sails, and trundled the lot at breakneck speed down the rocky shore. Ferdia and I stripped off our shoes and socks, rolled up our trouser legs, and waded into the icy water. In a trice, I was experiencing again that giddy sensation of motion over water, 
which had so mesmerized me in Maine seven summers before. We thrashed about Rinville Bay, Ferdia issuing a steady stream of calm instructions, I trying to remember what I had read during the last week while shifting my weight about in such a way as to keep us upright, and endeavoring to cope with sheets, cleats, and centerboard. Oh, we're nearly planing now, Ferdia said at one point. I made a mental note to find out what planing meant. It had a familiar ring. Back on shore while gathering my wits about me again, Ferdia, who turned out to be the club's secretary, produced a membership form and relieved me of a check. We discussed what sort of boat I should buy, and the consensus seemed to be a mirror, a ten-foot, ten-inch plywood dinghy, whose design had been sponsored by the newspaper of the same name, which could be bought, ready-built, or in kit form, and which was the most popular boat in the club. Considering that in an entire year of woodworking classes in high school, I had produced only one wobbly bookcase and half a lamp base, I thought the ready-built form of